How's it going, everybody? Austin here at the Performer Podcast, and today I get to sit down with the legend himself, Dr. Joe Klimczewski, and we are going to talk about some pretty awesome stuff, and it's, are you maximizing your full potential on stage? Are you placing lower than your potential? Or if you're winning shows, are you still leaving something out there where you could fully, fully maximize your potential and really get you to go from good to great? So we hope you guys enjoy this chat, and we're going to dive right into this. I'm Austin Kiergaard, and the Perform Right Podcast starts now. Um, oops. All right, I'm, I'm good to go. Okay. All right. Three, two, one. Hey, guys, I'm Joe Klimczewski here with Austin Kiergaard for a feature in Contest Prep University. So uh, those of you guys who don't know Austin yet, he is one of the greatest coaches in the world and uh, I, I, I say that awesome because one of the things that people probably don't know about you because you're just such a quiet humble guy you're not only an NGA pro you've already won a pro title the mm-hmm. heart of America getting ready for the NGA universe and I certainly would not bet against you I've, I've seen you in person I've seen your photos but uh, one of the things I think that's really important about being a coach is not just having a great bit of experience of doing it yourself, somebody who's been there and, and been on stage and been through all the, the rigors of, of competition, but you're, you're just a great guy. And I know my clients over the 25 or so years I've worked, one of the things that keeps them coming back is that they just genuinely like the experience of working with somebody who cares, who, who likes more than just the, the process, who likes them as a person, likes the entire facet base of a relationship so you're one of those guys so uh you're you're just you're one of my heroes and i I look at you as one of the bright spots in coaching so thanks for being here for the feature well that means a lot joe i appreciate it thank you for having me on i think i've told you about a dozen times since we've officially met that you're someone i've looked up to since i got into this and i see you as a, a you know a role model and a mentor and even saying the fact that you are a mentor for me always gives me goosebumps because i've said this a hundred times i remember going back reading an article that you had put out and i'm like this is what i want to do so it's it's because you paved the way for a lot of us you know coaches coming up like you showed you set the standard you raised that bar very very high and i'm just thankful that you did and i'm just very thankful to have you uh be that mentor for me and you know bringing me on uh bringing me on here whenever we uh able to connect so I'm, I'm really excited i'm excited about today's topic and, and to just dive into this with you yeah and, and thanks for that. that that's probably one of the most meaningful things you can say because you know when i was doing those kind of things 15 20 years ago through the fitness magazines you know that this was not my intent to take the industry where it is now but uh, being able to meet people like you a generation later is is just amazing so uh, i know you'll be doing the same thing for uh, people who come up behind you so uh this is your topic too by the way you're you're a thinker <laughs> Which I appreciate. You're incredibly smart and, and intelligent in your coaching style. And you presented this to me. You said, Joe, how about we do something uh, that kind of analyzes, you know, how could you have done better in your last show? Well, you know, what would have put you over the top? Whether, you know, you missed it by just a little bit or maybe the whole thing was a little bit of a failed experiment. How could you have done better? And as a coach and as a judge, even as promoters and, and the, the competitors themselves, we all look back and we do that that armchair quarterbacking. We're, we're making those calls. And 
you know, I think it's one of the worst places to look, and a lot of competitors get stuck doing this, you know, looking for the judges to give them feedback. A judge will always say, well, you, you need to be a little bit leaner, but not too thin. You need to be a little bit bigger, but not too fat. And, you know, your shoulders could use a little more size. Your glutes could It's like, yeah, thanks, Sherlock. Like, yes. that's what everybody wants. Yes. But, but you've got a list of things to discuss today that I think are incredibly important to, to look at and, and really plan for that next show to make sure that every single one of these areas is covered before you hit the stage. No, I agree. It's in such a subjective sport and a sport like natural bodybuilding, for example, we'll just use that, that has so many different organizations. You know, you've got the NPC and I think, you know, they've got, nope, this is what it is, you know. So I can understand, you know, from an NPC competitor or whatever, like there's a different, not really a different criteria, but there's just, I think a little more meat behind the potatoes of explanation of what you need to change when you go and you do some of these natural shows and these natural organizations, there's so many different organizations. They're all trying to be different currently. So they all are like, well, you need to be this. Okay. Well, if I need to be softer in this division and then harder in this division, like, what do I do? Do I just have to pick a division or not a division an organization? Do I have to pick one organization? Is there a happy medium? Like what is going on? And so my wife and I, you know, as you know, she's a, she's a bikini pro as well, and she does a lot of uh, hair and makeup for bikini girls and, and figure girls and stuff like that. So we've been traveling to a lot of shows this year. We've seen a lot of different judging criteria. We've heard a lot of different judging criteria. Myself as a judge as well, and my wife, like, we we get it, I guess is what we can say. We get it. Like, there's so many things that you need to change show to show. Um, even if you win, you know, you may have won, but... Perfect example. You know, I, I got my first, you know, pro win early this year. And when you and I had kind of conversation, you're like, so how do you think you looked? You know, you had planted that. How do you think? And, and I knew where you were going with it right away. And so <laughs> my, my point is, is that even if you win, there's still something you can improve on. Um, and so that with, you know, like, did you leave something out there on the stage? You know, is there something you could have changed differently if a judge says, well, you got to be little softer, a little harder or whatever, what does that mean and how can you fix it and bring in that full package to your true potential? Because that's really what we're talking about here today is like trying to get to your fullest potential because I think there are some things that people don't realize that they're doing that's not getting them to their full potential, which is hindering their true placings on stage. So one of the first things that I thought of right away um, was like, your, just your prep in general, because preps, they can be long, they can be tiring. So what is your approach to prep? How are you, how are you doing this mentally? Are you waking up every day dreading it? Um, are you waking up every day eating the same foods? So you're kind of driving yourself insane. Um, are you eating lower nutrient dense foods that could be causing some GI issues, which could cause a you to look different on the stage like what are you doing to take or what is your approach on on prep you know how are you handling this because that alone is going to determine a lot of how you look on stage day because if you're dreading stressing comparing yourself to others which we've all done i don't care who you are we've all done it before it's a subject of sport but if you're obsessing about that like all of these things just mentally can affect how you look on stage day so I was wondering if you could share some of your insight, you know, from being a coach, 
a judge and a competitor, what are things that you have seen that have worked when approaching a prep? Yeah, I think this is a great place to start because number one, I talk about it a lot with clients. If you are rushing a show or you're competing too often or you don't give yourself time in between seasons to really improve, then it does become just increasingly more frustrating. And and this happens a lot. I mean, I I can't tell you how many times, even this late in my career, how many clients will say, well, hey, I want to do this show. And I I know it's just too soon. They're going to have to rush and they're going to hate the process. They're probably going to struggle a lot and they're still not going to look their best. And a lot of times people will try and tack shows onto the end of a season. Well, I didn't quite do what I wanted there. So let me just do one more and then one more and then one more. And, and, you know, it's, it's not just the contest season, but they're dragging their personal lives or professional lives, maybe their families, you know, through this arduous process that just becomes, you know, not just tiring, it just becomes exhausting to the point where you, you, you lose any potential happiness that you should be gaining in the sport. So one of the things I've always done is, number one, as soon as I turned pro, I only competed once every two years. That yep. was the minimum for the organization I was in, the WNBF. And uh, that gave me time to settle into an offseason, to really have fun with the training part. But then it gave me an easier time to transition, and and I could always take my time in the pre-contest. And just mentally, you just felt fresher. You know, you felt like you wanted to compete because it had been two years. So I I think, you know, anything that you can pick inside of that framework is really important just to keep the passion in it and make sure that it stays a fun part of your life that fits well instead of ending up just dominating everything and making your entire life a a misery. You said something there that caught my attention. Um, You had said when you take that time off, it allowed you to enjoy, like, you know, wanting to compete again because you had that time off away from the stage and it allowed you to enjoy into training more. And that's one of the things I wanted to try to, to tie in with this. That's why I'm glad you brought it up is what happens. I feel like we all are in that same boat where it's like we start prep, early we feel good right we're starting to get a little leaner the strength is still kind of there so things are feeling great but somewhere along the lines we start to just feel like i'm just ready for this to be done i'm ready for this to be over and i think that's that small percentage on what really brings out that true potential again because that's kind of the theme we're going with here um is now we're starting mentally to say i just want this to be over rather than saying I get to go through this. I get to make this change. I get to get on that stage. I get to perform at that level. I get to do these things because then that can affect your workouts. It can affect how you approach your nutrition. Like you said earlier, it can also affect how you are with your family. So what do you think causes that? Is it maybe the duration of prep, low energy? Like what causes that switch to go from, oh, we love training. We can't wait to get back on stage to, you know, three, four weeks out from your show. You're just like, I'm just, I'm over this. I'm ready to be done. You know what I mean? Because somebody that wants to win, they're probably like, no, let's go bring it on. Like throw more at me. I don't care. Let's do this. I I love this process. So I, I think there are two main things. And number one, you know, when I said I love to get in the off season and work and improve and just kind of settle into that groove, you know, that was, that was my first love. And I think that's what most of us could say is yeah. that we just love training. We love the self-improvement. And too many people today see a picture online or they see something say, oh, that's what I look like or yes. look at look at the attention that person is getting. I want that. And so they jump in to compete just almost for the win, not for the work. 
and I love the work. I mean, I haven't competed in 13 years, and I'm training just as hard as ever. Mm -hmm. You know, just like when I was 11 years old and never even thought of competing. It's, you know, my competitive career was the smallest window in my life of training and lifting. Uh, you know, but th that also gives you a chance to enjoy the process. I, as a pro, I remember going into every contest season looking forward to dieting, looking forward to trying something new, looking forward to experimenting a little bit, looking forward to the discipline and knowing I'm going to feel better and be healthier. And you and I both know how few clients do that. Most of them just kind of, they go into it like dreading it right away. Oh my gosh, I got to diet again, or this is horrible and I can't wait to yes. eat again. And when you're only putting your contest seasons in places where you are happy with it, have planned for it, can control it and can really enjoy it, you, you know, can, can you really mitigate some of that, uh, like I said, misery? It really does take some of the, it takes all of the happiness out of it, the, the fun, uh, in, if you're just forcing it. Exactly. And I feel like some people have this, I've spoke about this in different talks, but I feel like when you compete, there's this, this like secret pressure that gets put on competitors about, and maybe it's because we have social media nowadays and people want to see how you're doing and looking and all that stuff. But I just feel like there's that secret pressure where if you're not posting pictures of your progress or you're not posting how you're looking or on stage, then you're not achieving you know, results or happiness because we're not getting the likes and all that type of stuff. And so I think that's kind of where it stems from. But tying that into what you were just saying, I feel like um, that's why people rush the process and they're like, oh, I need to get back on stage because I'll be truly happy when I'm putting these pictures of me with abs and getting the likes and the comments because I'm feeding that self. But secretly behind the picture, I'm dreading every single moment. And that's not how it should be. Like you had just said, like, it's something that you should enjoy. Is it going to be hard? Absolutely. It's a sport. When were sports ever easy ever? Like just you at, at least at a competitive level, right? Like it's not. It takes discipline. Like so we know that. But you got into this because you love lifting. I love lifting. I love seeing physical changes in my body and found that, that that can actually be a thing, like a sport. So do I have my own moments where I'm like, man, I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm so tired. I'm just done. Yeah. But then I go through past pictures and see how far I've came from day one to now. And I'm like, go back to that kid that started this, you know, 12 years ago. And it's like, that's why, you know, I love this process. You know what I mean? And I think people just need to remind themselves. So I think something that our listeners and viewers could take away from this is that you need to truly remind yourself that this is something that you're doing on, you know, this is your choice to do this. You started this because you enjoy it. So you need to find what was making you happy to do that in the beginning. And if you're not happy, then you need to reevaluate because if you're not happy, there's a good chance you're not going to put everything that you have into this. And the reason we're talking about this is maximizing potential. I'm going to keep bringing that up because there are people that are like, well, I just want to lose 50 pounds and step on stage. Phenomenal. You know, congratulations. You did that. But we're talking about true potential competitive standpoint. If you really want to get to that point and you're not feeling it, that's going to affect a lot of things that will create a result down the road for you, whether you're going to place higher or lower or look your best, because you need to be able to put your positive energy into that prep, into the training and the eating and everything. So, um, Absolutely. yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, 
I think I think that that's the the greatest framework we can put around that because, like you said, if you're not doing this for just the, the sheer thrill and love of making sure you do your best, then that you're you're probably going to end up looking back at that stage, you know, a day later, a week later, and you're trying to analyze exactly what you could have done better. You know that entire mindset is what could drive all of the variables potentially, but there are also some tangible things. You know, you mentioned like hair and makeup, and I've got to I got to say, I'm, I'm I'm not there. That's not my thing. It's not my it thing was, either. <laughs> it was really fun to see at the NPC, you know, uh, North Americans in Pittsburgh with with Paul Rivella and Adam Atkinson working with their bikini clients. And talking about that, like Paul talked to one of his clients, he said, yeah, next time we got to do your hair like this. You need, you know, see her hair, you know, got to do this and this kind of makeup and your, your, your face stuff was all wrong. Instead of using tanning stuff, you got to do this. Yep. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm all about the physique. Um, maybe, maybe, you know, my, my age in the sport or, or my gender, but um, they convinced me that a lot of the judges in those pageantry type classes, bikini, they are absolutely getting you know judged on that. Then it's not just it's not just a criteria that they put out there just to make sure that people take it seriously, but they are literally looking at that overall look. At least I mean that's what I'm told. Uh, I, I still think the best physique is going to win, but you tell me what you think because your your wife is a bikini pro. No, I'm I, I'm glad you brought that up. It's that so she would say that she is looking for the full package. So she is looking for the best physique, but she also pays attention to the hair and the makeup and everything because she's like, to me, it shows effort. You put in that extra effort for that extra little detail where if your hair and makeup is off, it looks like you just rushed it. And this is something that should be judged. And and I'm the same as you. I'm like, I still think the best physique will win, but my, you know, my wife brought up a lot of good points. She's like, but when you're looking at this, what you have two physiques that are really similar, just like in bodybuilding, you got to pick something, right? Like, well, She's like, in bikini, if these two have a similar look, who took the extra time for their hair and makeup and, and for these things? And I'm like, she she brings up a valid point. And watching... Really, really, really smart, yeah. Yeah, and, and watching her uh, work with, like, our female clients is, it's she's like a magician. Like, she's throwing out things. Like, I, I'm trying to learn from her a little bit to see what she sees, but she goes to a whole new level of, like, well, you could do this. And I'm like, well, that looks the same. She's like, but watch this. And then she'll change up something, and I'm like... So she'll do like half a face and half a face and I'm like, I can see it now. Like I get it. So I, I can understand that. And that goes again, tying back to point one, if you aren't in the right mindset for this and you rush the hair and the makeup because you're stressed out or tired and you just want to get this day over with or whatever, like you're leaving something out on the stage. You know what I mean? So let me, let me ask you this question just to, just to give a real tangible point to this, uh, this topic. Yes. And, and, it, it's, you know, it, it's too bad we don't have a female here who's got experience in this, but let's, let's just throw this out there on the table. Um, things like, I, I know that the style of hair on anybody, but especially a female because there's so much more variety, can, can change the entire appearance of a face, you know, facial symmetry, things like that. Uh, but also even the size of the hair, the, you know, women will put in extensions on the day of a show or yep. they'll decide, you know, how to, to wear their hair. And uh, that I think can change how your physique looks. Um, so, do you have any advice to say, you know, do this? Absolutely, never do that. Do you have anything that, that is that pointed? 
That's a great question. Um, I would really just say making sure they're just spending the extra time and having someone else just give them that that look. Like having someone that's comfortable with hair and makeup and make sure everything is straight, if that makes sense. So if you have long hair, make sure everything is straight. You don't have like something from the back that, oh look, from the front, you your hair is falling nicely, you turn on the back and it looks like you missed two or three sections of your hair. And for some reason it's curled back here, but it's, you know, straight up front, you know. So to you and I, we might be like, well, still look at the physique. But then I think of my wife and she's like, okay, well, everybody else was able to get their hair straight, like, and, and organized from the front and the back. So what makes this person any different? You know, their physiques are very similar, but again, took the time, pay attention to small details, didn't. Um, but then you also have girls that have like short hair. So they need to really pay attention on, like you said, how are they going to prepare their short hair to make even just the face more, uh, trying to think of a term here, but get to get the judges to draw them more over to their look, you know, so making sure that it's not just, I've got short hair, I'm just going to kind of spike it up real quick and that's it, you know, take some time to make it flow for your face and your physique and everything that you're bringing together. And again, unfortunately, I'm not that savvy to be like, yes, that's it. But I think if you're a female competitor, you may have a friend or someone that you trust that's really good with hair and makeup to kind of just look at you and say, yes, this, what you're, what you've done here really has flowed nicely. You know what I mean? And well, one of the things that I would say is because some people ask me, like they'll say, you know, I know that they, they don't want anybody with short hair. They want the, you know, somebody with longer, fuller hair, just, just has a more youthful appearance, that kind of thing. But I would say to counter that, that it has to go with your entire persona. So, you know, whether you're a master's competitor or you're 22 years old, you know, you know, if you have short hair, you know, what is that? Is that because you want to have a, a you know, bubbly, fun personality? Or do you have some, some level of elegance and sophistication in your entire presentation style? And, and I've seen that work across the board. I've certainly had world champions and IFBB pro card winners and so forth who, who are completely different in their appearance. But it was always an entire personality package that just matched, you know, the aesthetics matched the personality through body language and presentation and style and posing and i think that's that's part of it and so to your point about experimenting and have other people give you feedback you know it's not just the hair and the makeup it's how does it fit with the suit uh maybe you know the jewelry you're wearing and, and how you even walk across the stage yes everything i love that you said that everything has to flow with your personality because that's what's going to allow you to bring confidence to the stage no i thought that was a phenomenal point um, and adding to tangible things like, you know, with, cause we were talking earlier about having that right mindset and then going over to like hair and makeup and putting that mindset into the small details, like your hair and makeup and jewelry and everything, you know, training is a big thing as well. Like people don't, I don't think people realize that now because the training styles, and I'm sure you can attest it, they're just different than they were 10, 15, even 20 years ago. And what I mean by that is when I watch the interaction of people in the gym, you know, when I first started getting in the gym, there was like a no cell phone policy, music is cranked up, we're here to work and get things done. And, you know, now I see some things differently where people are like, oh, I'm training hard, going hard in the gym. And then I see them in the gym and they're kind of like, I'm going to do a set and then I'm going to check my email for 20 minutes and... Then I'm going to do another set. And so I bring that up because if we don't have the right mindset, if we're not feeling this prep, if we're like, oh, I'm just ready for this to get over with, um, 
what's that say about your training intensity in the gym? Because training intensity can play a huge role. If we're training hard and getting after it, we have a better chance at retaining muscle tissue than just going through the motions or maybe just lightening the weight because we're not feeling it that day and we're going to, you know, just do minimal work. And I'm probably going to upset a lot of people saying this, but I've seen it. And it's just, I don't think people realize that they're doing it. And I don't think that they're thinking that if I'm not feeling this prep, I may not be feeling it in the gym or giving it as much effort as I could be. And that can be completely related to how you look on stage. Um, Absolutely. I, I would say... And not only this is one of my favorite things when I was training a lot of clients in my own physical space you know some people locally but some we'd have camps some people would fly in I'd, I would go to other guest camps and, and train people and um, you know one of the things I would always tell people is this is where shows are won you know shows are not won on contest day so to the point of our entire topic today Austin you know looking back at your recent show what could you have done better I'm telling you, man, three months before the show, six months before the show, a year before the show, every single set and every single rep you're doing, you do not want to second guess. You do not want to look back and say, man, what if I would have worked a little bit harder? I've, you know, I can't tell you how many times when somebody was in the bottom of a squat or on their 20th rep in the leg press, I'm whispering in their ear the name of the competitor that I know they're going to be on stage with in six months saying, you know, what's, what's so-and-so doing right now? Do you think, do you think he's in the gym? Do you think she's working hard right now? Uh, because if that's not on your mind in your training, like you said, if it's all about what kind of Instagram post you can get today, you're, you're, you're probably going to have a lot of room to second guess on contest day, whether you gave it your all. Yes. And I just think people, because we live in such a fast paced world with social media, I get it. I mean, I've done it. I've I videotape myself doing a lift so I could discuss and post about it later. But that doesn't mean that that's my mindset through the whole workout. Like I am here, I have something I'm trying to achieve. And just for, uh, I wanna make a side note, just for everybody listening and watching, Joe does do this because when him and I were training arms one day, he's like, I'm gonna do more reps than you. And he was getting under my skin <laughs> and, and it worked very well. So he does do that. I can uh, say I have experienced that firsthand, but it, it helps. It, it uh, you know, I knew, he, I knew what he was doing and I appreciated it. And, uh, but you, you have to, when you don't have somebody there, you have to have that own voice in your own head too. Like, you know, what is the person next to you? Are they sitting there spending 30 minutes trying to make the perfect Instagram post or are they getting after it and then doing their posts and stuff later down the road? You know what I mean? So let's transition from the training aspect of that to the strategy perspective because uh, a lot of people are talking about Sean Clarita right now who just plays third at the Mr. Olympia in yes. the 212s. And um, I was his coach when he won his first pro world title. I remember that. It was, it was right in the middle. So Brian Whitaker, who's a great friend, I love Brian. Brian had already won four or five lightweight world championships. Then after Sean and I beat him, he went on to win four or five more. But that one year that Sean hired me, the entire season we had together, we had one focus. It was to be Brian. It was to be Brian. There was, there was that one, this is, this is a sport, like you said, and you've got to know what the matchups are. You got to know what the game is going to be like. You got to plan for that day. And so we did things in our training, in our dieting, and in our peaking, just to exploit Brian's weaknesses and to enhance Sean's strengths 
did some things, you know, somewhat non-conventionally j- just to make sure he got the win, which he did. Then that next summer, he decided he wanted to try and become an IFBB pro. And he had to come down a weight class. He wanted to make sure he was in the bantams of NPC nationals. And, and talk about unconventional, you know, just to make that weight, we had to drop seven pounds. That's insane. And so there was 24 hours where he ate and drank nothing, uh, which you know I'm not a fan of. Right. But I knew we had at least 24 hours before he was going to be on stage. So we controlled every single variable to make sure that he was perfect to meet that goal then with the time to come out of it as as safely and appropriately as possible to then win that show in a a completely different way of peaking Mm -hmm. and so that's where uh, you know to to again the topic you know what could you have done better you better be thinking about your entire strategy and what you need most to, to make your physique look best and to make sure you if you are aware of who's going to be there competing you better be focusing on how you can beat those people. Yes. Because at the end of the day, it's not always just, did you look your best? It's, were you able to beat everybody else in that class? Yes, and and we're talking from, again, a competitive standpoint. So if you're trying to be competitive and you know you're gonna be competing against somebody, like, it's basically a game of chess at that point. You gotta figure out the right strategy, like you said, to exploit their weaknesses. You know, you gotta be able to take out their king and, and, and their queen and you gotta take out their pieces. So how are you going to do that? And I love the fact that you went and talked about two scenarios with Sean where he had, I don't wanna call it a conventional, but a slightly more conventional prep and peaking. Obviously you did everything you could cause world champion, I mean, you have to give it your all. But then you went to something more like you said, unconventional where it's like he had to come down a weight class, not something that you're a fan of, but you're discussing that right now and saying we had to make sure we left it all out there on the stage and this is what we needed to do we needed to make sure he made the weight but we allowed enough time for him to do these other things to make him look his best and he ended up getting his pro card and now you know he's i i followed sean it was i knew of him through you when i started following you so it's really cool to watch that process with you guys and, and that world championship so i knew exactly what you're talking about and i appreciated that and it's a perfect example of our topic today is you know you don't let your athletes leave anything on the table. And that's something that I've always appreciated about you. And, you know, one of those things could be posing. You know, posing is a huge topic. Um, I've watched Sean pose. He is a, he's phenomenal at posing. Um, you know, I use him again. So he's 100, I think he made the post. He's 169 pounds and got third at the 212 pound Mr. Olympia. So you hear that 169, but he could weigh as m- up to 212. Still giving up 50 pounds to some competitors. Right, but I mean, he poses like he's big. He doesn't pose like he's small. And so that was another topic that I wanted to bring into this is, you know, with the mindset through your prep, how you're approaching your prep to the proper training and making sure that we're actually training hard and being intense in the gym and smart so we don't hurt ourselves, but still intense. And then the posing, like how much time and effort are you putting in posing? Cause I'll tell you this, like there's times where I'm pulling a 15, 16 hour day because I have a lot of my plate. Um, that's just one of my weaknesses. I tend to put too much on my plate, but it is what it is where I'm like, I just don't really feel like I want to strip my clothes off and start posing right now. But the moment that that thought enters my brain, I'm like, hmm, person that I know is competing is gonna do it, so 
I have to outwork them. I have to make sure that I don't leave excuses, you know, dictating my outcome. And so, you know, I know you and Adam have talked about this, but I think it'd be good to just bring it up. What, what is your stance with posing? I mean, are, is there a point of people doing too much? I think there's a lot of people doing too little. You know, where is that happy medium? No, I think I think you're exactly right. And uh, you know, for this, well, what I want to do first of all, let me let me say this. Uh, I want to have you back, and I want to do yes. kind of a, a part one and part two to this because we're going to end up covering all of the major pieces of the puzzle for you know how you can look your best. Leave it all on the field yes. on contest day. But then I want to do a part two where we talk about some of the specific peaking strategies, the, the carbs, the water, the sodium, you know, the, the actual peak week process, contest day process. So yes. this, this is a perfect way to wrap up today, which yes. is continuing the aesthetics. You know, we talked about hair and makeup. Yep. Uh, we, we could spend time talking about tanning, but that's pretty self-evident. Yes. I mean, I think we've all had pretty botched levels of tanning or we can see when people really have it nailed or not. But the posing is definitely... The, the, the checkmate to the stage appearance, assuming that you do you look your best, which we'll talk about in our, in our next episode. But um, for me, you know, an introvert who, who literally hated to be on the stage, I at least knew that I had an obligation to the audience to make it enjoyable. So I at least wanted to not get up there and hit a bunch of most musculars with my right. tongue hanging out and, and walk off the stage. You know, I... I wanted it to be at least somewhat artistic and uh, you know so I would spend some time taking you know selecting the best music sometimes I'd have a mix professionally do something you know whether it's theatrical I really looked to some of the great posers out there from you know Lee Labrada to yes. Russ Testo to some of the people who really made it an art form um, you know and and even in your mandatory posing and uh, you know in the symmetry round of prejudging you know how you get in and out of those poses how professional you look how crisp you look how quickly you get in and out of those poses so that you're showing the judges a respect for their time you know all of that matters and i i say all that austin to to just mention this one point you can't rush that you can't start practicing that a week before the show you've got to start way out it's it's like you know, shaking the rust off if you're a wide receiver in the NFL and it's time to start, you know, your season training. It's like you got you to gotta go through the motions, get ready, start feeling that again. And, and I would say, you know, one of the best things I ever did was I would videotape my posing because how you think you look in the mirror is different than looking at it from a judge's perspective. So it was like watching game film. I, would, I, I wouldn't pose for hours at a time, which is one of your, your first questions here. It would just be, you know, 10 or 15 minutes, but starting four, five, six months out, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day, maybe just five, maybe just running through the poses once to keep the feel of it. But it was always very intentional to practice something and videotape it and then watch it back and then say, okay, I need to do this and do that, practice it again, videotape it. And, and so it made my practice more impactful and more meaningful. Yes. And... I love that you said recording yourself because you're right. It's completely different. Like I record myself and I see and I'm like, oh, I felt like I was straight on here, but I'm slightly twisted. So where's my foot positioning? Is it open up my hips too much? Where's my wrist positioning? Like what am I doing? So I love that you brought up that fact. I think that's important. Um, I think 10, 15 minutes, even five to start out with in the beginning is awesome. I think that's great. Um, 
kind of a quick reason as to why I think people need to understand that that's so important is because we are losing weight through this process. Our body composition is changing. Flexibility is going to be changing. So when you hit a side chest, side tricep 20 pounds heavier, you're gonna probably have to reposition yourself when you're 20 pounds lighter because you have less mass that you're moving and you need to make sure you are flexible enough to get into a side tricep, a side chest to where you're opening up enough and not just hiding it because if you start practicing early on, like you had said, you'll start to feel, and we're recording, right? So you'll be able to feel what's where you should be feeling the right position, but you'll also be able to see it on camera. And if a guy next to you or a girl next to you isn't doing that, let's use a guy for bodybuilding. Like if a guy is bigger than you at a pro level, like you can look just as big as they can because you had time to practice. Okay, I'm, I'm hiding myself here. I need to open up more or even from a girl's perspective, if a girl might be maybe a little leaner than you, but you pose better than her, you can't tell that this girl's really that much leaner than you because she's hiding some of these things in her poses where you're there and you're confident because you put the time in. So I love the fact that you had said that, you know, start off small, five minutes, 10 minutes here or there, and then continuously work your way up, record yourself so you have that data, that, that video to watch and make sure you're doing those things correctly. Um, but be consistent with it. You know what I mean? I like if we're consistent with our food and going to the gym, why are we not being consistent on the one thing that's really being judged? Our posing, like our physiques are being judged. But if you can't highlight that physique, what good are you doing yourself? You know what I mean? So when people ask like, why am I placing a certain way? Well, did you put in enough time for posing? Well, I had this going on. I had that. I get it. But, but if we want to be competitive, we got to figure out a way. Like I had mentioned earlier, like there's times I'm not lying. I'm not a fake person. I do not want to pose, but I know if I do something that day, it's better than not doing anything at all because then I, I got something out of it. You know, I was able to just go through the motions quick. Maybe I start feeling better than I thought I would. And I start challenging myself. You just don't know until you start. So I love those tangible things that you had brought up with the posing. Yeah, and if I could pick one thing out that you mentioned, it's it's literally that it's, it's about winning. And so a lot of people think, well, I don't really care that much about posing, so I don't care if I'm the best poser, and so I'm just not going to put that time into it. Well, you know, you may not enjoy it as much as everything, but that literally is uh, the, the biggest part of winning because we've all seen people with better physiques lose shows because the judges can only judge what they see. Yes. And, and I know people who are masters at getting every single muscle fiber in play in every pose because they're just that good. And, mm -hmm. and that's the visual you know, part of the sport. So Austin, this is an awesome topic. I'm, I'm yes. really glad you suggested it. And uh, you know, as, as often happens, once you get into something, you realize that you know, it's gonna be organized a little bit differently than you planned. So I hope you don't mind me asking you back for a part two. I would love to come back for a part two. <laughs> awesome, so we'll get into some of the actual ins and outs of the peaking process and the nutrition on that end of, of contest prep. So yes. everything we kind of talked about was leading up to that point. So this would be a perfect place to stop. And we'll, uh, we'll do that next time if you're available in the next few days. Absolutely, perfect, love you back. All right, guys. Well, again, Austin Kiergaard, an NGA pro, uh, the pro Heartland winner, and uh, soon to be pro NGA Universe winner in just a couple of months. So we'll look forward to uh, hearing all about that in November. But uh, 
you guys again thanks so much for watching and listening and we will catch you next time in contest prep university awesome thanks for having me joe good stuff man awesome